Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. I really think that scheduling the time has been a game changer for me. And for a, a while, I didn't really know how to schedule that time, especially last year with the kids home and you know, everything was different last year. <laughs> you couldn't predict from day to day. It was terrible. Um, but now that I feel like things have gotten a little steadier, the co- quiet co-working on Monday mornings has been, it has been life changing for me. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but just sh- being able to show up at a particular time and say, this is what I'm doing during this time. And it's not always, um, it's not always that I'm scrapbooking, but often I'm doing something that will lead to scrapbooking if I'm not physically sitting there with paper in my hands. And being able to put the blinders on and say, for the next 52 minutes, this is what I'm doing. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 144. In this episode, I'm joined by Natalie Strand to chat about some of the common challenges scrapbookers face and the way she has cultivated more ease in her hobby, including becoming a Simple Scrapper member. Hey, Natalie, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks. I'm so glad to talk to you. You are one of our newer members, and you've just been kind of one of the star students, is what I had mentioned to you. So I wanted to have you on for a special Q&A episode. But can you kick things off by sharing a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, thank you for (laughs) such a warm welcome. Um, My name is Natalie Strand. I live in a suburb of Baltimore. I live here with my husband of 15 years, and we have two children. My daughter's in fourth grade. And my son is in second grade and I've been scrapbooking. I kind of like to say my whole life because I've always Mm -hmm. done some kind of memory keeping. But the first, I guess you would call it archival album that I ever made was after I took a trip to China in 2002. And I didn't actually finish that album at that time. (laughs) I finished it just a couple years ago. But um, then I got really into scrapbooking when I was in graduate school. And that's when I really started documenting my life and sort of more of the everyday and also the more the the exciting moments of my everyday life and the big moments. So So we actually had a small world moment recently where we discovered that you went to graduate school in the town where I live now. And we actually overlapped living here for a number of years, just didn't know it. So that's right. That's right. Yeah, we went. I that's where I met my husband at the University of Illinois. So (laughs) Super cool. Yeah. So what's exciting you right now in the hobby? Well, it's kind of a funny answer. I've been thinking about this and I think it's actually that I have time. Mm -hmm. So my children just went, started going back to school in person at their local elementary school. Um, And they were home with me from spring 2020 on. I homeschooled them last year. So I had very little time to myself and very little, very quiet time. And so them going back to school was like this fresh start for me where all of a sudden I could have more control over my own time. Now I don't have complete control, obviously, but, um, and it has given me this extra push of, I don't, I don't know. It's almost like a compulsion to really use my time well so that I'm making the most of it. And that has really helped me to focus on scrapbooking and I'm very excited about it right now. So I'm going back to projects that I've had in progress and adding to them. I'm making new layouts and I'm just 
really excited about scrapbooking right now because of that. That's so awesome. And it's definitely like showing in your work, not just in, you know, the amazing things that you create, but also just just your productivity. Like, you know, it's it's very visible that you're just very jazzed about scrapbooking right now. And I think anytime we can find this fresh start, sometimes it's a bigger one with it that actually does impact our time. But there's other new leaves that we turn over throughout the year. And when we can find that and hold on to it and leverage that to create new routines and structures for yourself so that you can get more of what you want out of life is a great opportunity to take advantage. Yeah, it's, that's exactly how I'm feeling. Like I can set up these new standards for myself of how I how I use my time and how I can uh, really not take it for granted. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that has struck me, and we'll talk a little bit about this in one of the questions we have below, but just about how noticing how I feel like, no, it's never fun to like to get up early and to do some of the less fun tasks in the morning. But I feel so much better when I do those things, especially towards the end of the day when Emily comes home and we're starting to get back into family life. I'm like, I feel solid that I've taken care of all these other things before that happened. Yeah, yeah. All right. So what is on your memory keeping bucket list? So this is a you know, a little bit of a deeper, richer story, something that feels important for you to document. Yeah, this is a hard one for me because I have so many stories I want to tell. Um, but as I was thinking about it, I thought of uh, the getting ready portion of my wedding, but I realized I have a lot written down for that already. And what I don't have written down is anything about my honeymoon. And mm. I have I have a small set of pictures. It was Digital cameras were not super memory heavy. Like you couldn't put a lot of pictures on a, a memory card and we didn't have very many. So I don't have very many pictures. And I deliberately, deliberately made a choice not to keep a journal on our honeymoon because I wanted to just enjoy it. And I regret that now <laughs> because I would love to know more about the food we ate and the names of the places we saw. I mean, I can look it up, but it's not the, quite the same. So I want to get those stories down before I really lose all the memories of them and um, just get that out into the into a physical format rather than trying to hold on to it in my head because I feel like it's this plate I have spinning way in the background all the time because I didn't tell this story yet. Mm, yeah, I think that's one, a good, a, a wonderful way to describe that clue that this is a bucket list story. You like you keep holding it in there because you want to do it. And either you have to make it or you have to write it down somewhere so that you don't forget and start, you know, putting some words and thoughts together about the, the story that you want to tell behind it. Right. And so literally while you were talking, I opened up my Trello app and I added honeymoon to my <laughs> storytelling list because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have never told that story. And it's kind of like it's kind of a weird story because we had our honeymoon like four months after we got married the week between Christmas and New Year's. And there was like an argument that was part of it. And like, it's, you know, it's a big story, but I've never told it. So mm. thank you for that inspiration. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see what you create. Yeah. All right. So this is a Q&A episode and it's a mix of kind of questions that come from so many of the questions that we receive. Like I just sat and think, okay, what are the things that I'm answering all the time where our team is answering or, or questions that get discussed inside of our community? And then I also did ask some of our members, like what specific questions that you have. And I use those to kind of add in and, and add some nuance to some of these questions. But we really have, like it runs the whole gamut of all the phases of memory keeping. And I, I think this is going to be a really good one. And I, I in particular wanted to have a guest who um, would have her own perspective to offer. Because yeah, I could sit here and answer these questions, but I have only my way and you have your way. And hopefully our listeners have their ways as well and can, you know, chime in in the comments and all that. And I think it's the more that we raise these questions and, and start the dialogue of how we do it now and how we've done it in the past and how we've seen others do these things, the more that we can cultivate this personalization of our hobby. But 
The first thing I want to do is actually just share like a housekeeping answer. And that is how do I subscribe to the podcast? So if you are someone who goes to the website every single week and listens um, there on the website, that's awesome. You can continue to do that if it's working well for you. But I do know that it doesn't always like save your spot if you pause it and all that. And so I do want to recommend subscribing to Scrapbook Your Way in a podcast app if you can. So on there's going to be an app on your phone. It's typically just called Podcasts. And it's called Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts if you have an Android phone. I actually use an app called Pocket Cast. So there's many like third-party apps as well. And so all you have to do is search in that app for Scrapbook Your Way. And then you press the subscribe button so that you can be the, you know, the first to know when the episode goes live. And you can also keep track of which episodes you've listened to and where you are in each episode. So what app do you use to listen to the podcast? I just use the Apple Podcast app. Um, I have subscribed in there and I've also added it to the, there's a, like, it's not just play next. I should have looked this up. I'm sorry. No, um, it's okay. It's sort of like a, it's like a playlist that you can make of your favorite podcasts. Nice. And so I've added it to that so that when I'm listening, like in the car and I can't select the next podcast I want to listen to, it just goes to the next episode of that list. Oh, perfect. That's great. Yeah. I love all the different features in these apps. And they're all just a little bit different and handle it differently. But they make it so easy to follow, you know, all the podcasts that you want to listen to and just queue things up easily without having to remember websites and all that. All right. So the first question that we're going to discuss is kind of multi-part. And we're really going to talk start with photos because I think photos, taking photos, managing our photos, editing our photos, these often sometimes are one of the bigger barriers to having a great experience. You know, we can talk about like time and habits and all of that. But when it comes to the nitty gritty of what we're doing, photos often come up as like the hurdle. So I'm curious, Natalie, how do you balance taking pictures and staying in the moment of, you know, whatever's happening in your life? I think that most people who know me know that I take a lot of pictures. Uh I actually find that taking pictures helps me to enjoy what I'm doing more. I know that that's sort of a controversial opinion, but um, I find myself in a lot of situations worrying that I'm going to forget. And so I can take photos and that kind of relieves my mind that I can enjoy it. And the photo will spark that memory when I look at it later. So I, I take a lot of photos and I make it a really big point to share them when I'm with other people and I'm taking their pictures that I really want to make sure that they get copies of those too. Because to me, I, I like to say photos are my love language. I like to, if somebody takes a picture of me, I want to have a copy of it. So I want to share it with them. So I take a ton of pictures. I kind of, am, I kind of designate myself like the unofficial photographer of events. <laughs> Well, I love that point that you feel more part of the moment by taking the pictures. And I I can certainly think of so many instances where I've maybe kind of checked out of the moment because I'm just like, okay, when are we going to go home or whatever? But if I'm taking pictures, it gives me more of a purpose and more of a connection to what's happening and and the people that are there. Um, and, and I love that you also kind of take some pride in, you know, being the one always taking pictures. And I think there's, there's like, that's, that's a beautiful role to have in, in your family memories. Yeah. I, I like to think that people appreciate the group photos, even though they kind of groan <laughs> when I yeah. try and take them, but I kind of feel like if I just keep doing it and I don't always remember, but if I'm the person who's always asking that it'll become more of a expected thing <laughs> and then yes. we'll all get those photos that we love later. Yes. So I kind of always like around the holiday season, I just kind of put the tripod out somewhere as like a clue, <laughs> like this is going to happen at some point. So prepare yourself. <laughs> that is such a great idea. <laughs> so it's less of a surprise when I make everyone like go outside or, or do whatever. So I'm going to have to try that one. <laughs> I will have to say also that I've intentionally over the years tried to take fewer photos of the same thing. Mm. It doesn't mean that I'm like not like always taking photos, but I'm like, okay, I, I got, I got the shot. I don't need to like 
take six or seven or eight or nine different versions of the same thing to make sure I got the right one or the best one. Mm -hmm. So I think I've let go of some of the perfectionism with it in in certain circumstances. Yeah, I, uh, I haven't gotten to that point yet. (laughs) That's okay. It's totally fair. I mean, we're all at different phases and have different, you know, priorities. So, all right. So one of the questions that I get a lot is how can I take better pictures with my phone? So do you have any particular tips? You know, I think it's, it's just practice and see what your camera can do in a, a not stressful situation. Um, uh, the one thing that I always do, which is very basic and probably lots of people have said this, but always wipe off your camera, the little lens before you start taking pictures, because it's really annoying to see that sort of haze over it. And it just, that's such an easy thing to make it better. And then just, I, I would say just take a lot of pictures and see what works and see what doesn't. Yes, and then sure. keep doing those things that work. <laughs> well, and if I had to add one tip, you know, we talk a lot about light when we talk about photos, but I think our cameras are so smart now. They often are compensating for whatever weird lighting that you have. And mm. so I think that's less, obviously the better, you're going to get better pictures with better light, but it's less of an issue. And to me, it's more about stability, like mm. resting your camera on something, like locking your elbows to your hips, not like, you know, making sure you're not getting a blurry shot because you're just kind of like, throwing your finger at your phone (laughs) right yeah oh for sure so I think when when I see others who are disappointed in their photos that's that's definitely one thing that they can do but between those two tips especially wiping off the lens those two tips alone I think can get you dramatically better pictures yeah actually for Christmas my husband got me a little um, clamp for my phone that can screw into my tripod shoe and also into a tiny little desktop sized tripod. And Mm -hmm. I've been having fun playing with that too, because then it actually came with a little remote shutter clicker. And so that has helped too, because now I remember, oh, I can put this in a clamp and then it really will be a steady shot rather than me trying to handhold it, especially for low light settings. I have an old phone, so mine doesn't compensate quite as well these days. (laughs) Well, and also it reminds me that the, you know, I have a, a Samsung Note and I I'm not, I haven't checked the news recently, but it sounds like they're kind of getting rid of that line, but they're still going to sell the, their little pencil separately. And the, really the only reason I have that is because the little pencil is a remote shutter because oh. I wanted a way to like take a picture without having to tap my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you there's, of course, there's lots of like third party accessories for that too, which is really nice. Yeah. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit about, oh, okay, actually one more question here. And and I think this is good because you have an Apple phone and I have an Android. How do you get pictures off your phone? What strategy do you use? So I use the camera uploads feature of Dropbox for mine. Nice. And I, I do this, I would say at least daily in most situations where I come home, I put my phone on the charger and I start camera uploads and it uploads it to my Dropbox. And then I pull them into a folder on my computer where I can, from there, I bring them into Lightroom to manage them. But I found that that's what it's easy and it has worked for me for a really long time. And I've set it up with my husband so that he has a folder that syncs with my Dropbox so that he can put his photos in that folder and then I get them from him as well. Nice. So it's it's not maybe the most elegant setup but it's what I'm used to and so it has become a a pretty good habit. Yeah, I mean that's really the most important thing is to find something that you know how to do and can, you can use again and again and you always remember this is how I do it. Um right. so I actually use the Lightroom app to automatically send photos through the cloud and I'll include a link in the show notes to a tutorial I have about doing this. But I wanted to particularly answer a question because I got this re- on a recent um Zoom event that we did. And if you think about your phone charger that you have plugged into the wall like maybe it's by your bed or in your office or wherever. Um almost all of these these days the USB comes out of that little box. 
right? And mm-hmm. so it's like a two-part charger. There's yeah. the little, the electric, the you know, the AC adapter and then the cord. Well, that USB cord can go directly into your computer. So then you can transfer photos mm-hmm. from your phone to your computer. Now, obviously, like the software and all that's going to totally vary depending on what phone you have and what kind of computer you have. And there's tutorials out there on the web for that. But I wanted to bring that up because there were many on this call who didn't know that was a thing. And so I'm I'm assuming there's at least one person out here listening who will have a little light bulb moment and have maybe an easier time now getting their pictures off their phone. Yeah. And one other thing I thought, because that's really nice for longer video clips or things that are a lot of photos so that it's a more direct connection because Dropbox can be slow. And we've realized my husband has a much uh, more advanced phone than I do at this point. That will change soon, hopefully. But um, when he has a lot of videos to share with me, we use AirDrop. And since I have an Apple computer, I can choose whether he AirDrops it to my phone or to my laptop. And that's a nice, quick and easy way to do it as well, especially if it's somebody else's phone that you're trying to coordinate with. That's really nice. Well, and even you mentioned Dropbox, Box, things like that. Those can be um, simpler ways to get photos from others Mm -hmm. if they're not quite sure how to, to do it on the computer. You can use the apps on your phone to do that, which is nice. All right. So transitioning here to a little bit about crafty habits. And so it sounds like you're really getting into the habit. I know I see you almost every week at our quiet co-workings on Monday morning. Mm. And so I'm curious, what do you think is the best way to start a crafting habit when you've got a full busy life? So it's taken me a while to get to this point where I could say that I have a, a habit. Um, it, it used to be that I was just whenever I had time or the inclination Um, I would try and do it. But I I really think that scheduling the time has Mm -hmm. been a game changer for me. And for a a while, I didn't really know how to schedule that time, especially last year with the kids home and everything was different last year. (laughs) You couldn't predict from day to day. It was terrible. Um, But now that I feel like things have gotten a little steadier, the quiet co-working on Monday mornings has been, it has been life changing for me. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but just show, being able to show up at a particular time and say, this is what I'm doing during this time. And it's not always um, it's not always that I'm scrapbooking, but often I'm doing something that will lead to scrapbooking if I'm not physically sitting there with paper in my hands. And being able to put the blinders on and say, for the next 52 minutes, this is what I'm doing. I know I have the dishes to do. I know I have the vacuuming, whatever. But right now, I'm going to scrapbook. And that gets you excited for that time to say, this is set aside. And then also, it kind of gives you that that satisfaction of knowing later on, I already got my scrapbooking time in. Or in the case of you know an evening crop or an afternoon crop, knowing that that time is set aside out ahead of you so that you can maybe work on the tasks that aren't scrapbooking or your hobby beforehand so that you're kind of leading up to that. Yes. You know, so it was this past Monday morning, we talked a little bit at the beginning about how like having this on the calendar had forced many of us to like start to get organized to, so you know, you're ready for, for 9am or I guess it's 10am for you. Um, and you know, I had been to the grocery store and, and Jen had already been to target and like, we're like, we're on it because we know we want to show up for this time and get things going. That's right. It's almost made me more productive outside of that time because I want to be productive during that time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. One, you know, and sometimes I, like, I always, have a goal of like here's the things that I want to work on and for me it's it's a combination of like home stuff and work and and scrapbooking and knowing that I want to like that's going to be like like special focus time Mm -hmm. I know that there's things I need to get done like the Friday before or even you know the day before so that I can really make the most of that that's right it's almost like I know I haven't been to a like an actual crop in a really long time where you are going to a place and mm-hmm. you have to bring the stuff with you. But I remember that feeling of, I want to make the crop worth it. And yeah. so it kind of feels like that on a much smaller scale. I want to make this time worth it. So what can I do to get ready for it ahead of time? Yes, a hundred percent. 
And, you know, I guess kind of like a backing up of like, what's the smallest scale of this? Because I, you know, we've been having crops on our calendar at Simple Scrapper for a number of years now. But even back when we had a Facebook group, we did like, uh, you know, we did crops in the comments, not even on Zoom. And, you know, of course, Zoom just like changed everything for the community. But just like just the act of showing up and committing to showing up is so powerful. And it's just it's not like, okay, I'm going to do this every day. Just choosing one time a week has a huge snowball effect. And all of a sudden, I know for me, I started to crave that time. And then I'm like, okay, where else can I fit this in? And it's just been kind of stacking one little thing on top of the next. And then you start to really feel like you do have a habit. Yeah. And I think another thing that I like about um, this quiet co-working time and also some of the other crops that we have in the community is often at the beginning, whoever is hosting will say, so what are you working on? And they'll go around and people who want to answer will get to. And that is like another level of accountability where I say, well, I'm working on this layout. And so then maybe by the end, I can say, here's the layout I made, or here's all the progress that I made on this layout. And so it keeps you on task rather than going off and checking your email or looking at social media, because you have that, that feeling of, I want to show people what I've accomplished during this time. Yeah, like just just by naming what it is you're going to do is so powerful. Yes, yes. <laughs> so like maybe going a little bit more granular and talking about just the daily small habits we have. I, I want to bring this up about maybe how you're you're tracking it or 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 implementing those in your life because I think it's most of mine. I, there are a couple that are related tangentially to scrapbooking. But it's more about feeling in control so that when that desire and time does overlap, I can say, hey, I can scrapbook right now <laughs> because I feel like, you know, I'm, I've got my game face on in my life, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So do you use any kind of like habit tracker or apps or keeping track of what you're doing on a daily basis? So I'm a paper girl. Mm -hmm. through and through. So I have a planner that actually I designed myself and my husband helped me program it into Excel so I can print it every year. And so I keep a very um, strategized to-do list, I guess. So I have a weekly list of things I want to do. And then I keep a daily to-do list based on that weekly to-do list. But I also do use a habit tracker. I have a, a small, I cropped it down and printed it out smaller. So it fits in my planner the yearly uh, daily tracker from Elise Blaha Kripe. Oh, and yeah, it's sure. just, it's just bubbles that you fill in. So I have one of those for exercising and one of those for creative things. And because I am always making things more complicated for myself, I actually color code them. So I have different colors of pen that I fill in the bubbles for in the case of my hobbies, the different hobbies that I do, because I love scrapbooking, but I also love sewing. And so I just kind of want to see throughout the year, where am I doing those things? And then I have a color even for photo management and blog post writing, because it's not maybe as glamorous as sewing a dress or making a scrapbook page, but it is definitely a very necessary part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. So I kind of wanted to note to myself that this is also part of memory keeping is managing the photos and that's okay. And so I fill it in green when I've spent most of my time that day doing photo stuff. I'm, my brain is like, wow, I, I'm very super impressed. I, I think <laughs> there's a personality difference and that I love that idea, but I could never implement it. But I'm very, I have a lot of admiration for it. And I like, I want to, I want to see it. Like, do you like, if say, for example, you scrapbook and sew in the same day, do you color in half the bubble, one color and half the other? I do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm such a nerd, but it, it and I, I, I will, I say this, but it's not like at the end of every day, I fill in my bubble. Sometimes a week later, I'll just go back through my planner and see what I yeah. put on my to-do list for that day and what I checked off and I'll fill it in because it's, it's more about the momentum rather than 
actually having this documented. And um, sometimes I need the momentum. And so I'll look at my tracker to see, oh, I've been doing this and I can keep doing it. Um, But sometimes the momentum isn't lacking. And so I don't need to be filling it in because I'm just going. Yes. And then I'll fill it in later. (laughs) Oh, I love this. I love how you kind of figure out what is the role of the habit tracker in my like motivation cycle. And also you adapted it to your like preferences that you love the physical act of it and you're going to go color coded and we're going to, (laughs) you're going to make it uniquely you. Mm -hmm. And mine is an app on my phone and I actually have these little widgets on my home screen and it's, it's like reminding me to do like some of the basic things like make your bed, take your medicine, you know, start the laundry, because those are the things that really make me feel like, you know, I'm, I'm adulting, (laughs) you know, and then when I'm adulting, I feel like, okay, I can, I can relax. And it makes me more productive when I feel that way. Um, But they're very different strategies, but they're both supporting us and being, you know, stronger scrapbookers and women. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I will include a link in the show notes for this episode to an Instagram highlight that I created because the other morning I was like, I was up early and on fire and I'm like, I'm going to share this, you know, the widgets on my home screen and how I use those and how I use Trello and my planner and what those different functions are. And so I will include a link to that highlight so you can walk through it. And I'm happy to like answer any questions in, in DMs if you have any. Um, Cause I, you know, like you totally nerd out about all of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So transitioning now to more about the creativity side of scrapbooking. And starting with this idea of someone feels behind and they don't know how or where to start again, what's the first thing that you would suggest they do? Because you mentioned that you kind of went through a period of like really low motivation for your hobby. Yeah, yeah. The past few years have been really kind of challenging for me because I had a lot of other obligations. And then, of course, 2020 just sapped all the creativity out of me. And so I, feel like I was coming back to it after being, it wasn't completely gone from my life, but it definitely was not as um, present in my life as I wanted it to be. And I think what helped me to get back in was to do something that I was really excited about. And it didn't matter how important or not the project was, but just to do something. And so I... I had a couple album projects in process and I just flipped through them and I found a page that I was excited about making and I just started making it. And that, that again and again, kind of built up the momentum to, oh, well, I finished this side of the pocket page. Let me just do the next side right now because I just have the supplies out and it's great. And then, oh, now I see a sketch in on some blog somewhere. And that would work perfectly with this other thing I saw on that album. So I move on to that. And so just not worrying about what you have to do, but what you want to do, I think is a really great way to get back into the habit. Because then once you're got that momentum, then you are excited maybe again to do the thing that you feel a little more obligated to do like a more important story or something. Yes, yes, yes. I I think just thinking very small. And for me, it's like this idea of just touch your stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds kind of funny. But like literally like so much, my brain wants to go and like, plan it out and figure out, okay, what, what, where am I? What do I need to do? And what, what are my priorities? But no, if you're really like, haven't done anything in a while, like sit down, like physically touch your supplies, look through them, see what you have that's new, see what you have that's like maybe you forgot you had and just literally start touching it. And if you're digital, then you do this on your computer. You start opening files and looking at kits that maybe you've never worked with or or products that you bought a long time ago and see if you still like them. And it's that act of like connecting with the part that makes this scrapbooking that always brings the excitement back for me and then something like eventually comes tumbling out and then I can finally regroup and say okay now what is it what is it that I'm really doing here and where am I going yeah Mm -hmm. but if you think you're gonna like figure it all out before you start you're never gonna start right I love that idea of, of going through your stuff 
whether it's your digital catalog of papers or your physical stash of stuff, because I know that I work better when I know what I have. <laughs> so I, it feels really clumsy if I just get out a piece of paper and a, and a photo and I'm thinking, okay, how can I put this together? But if I have a familiarity with my things, then it, it feels more natural to say, oh yeah, I have the washi tape over there and I have my embellishments here. And wouldn't it be fun if I tried to put those things together and mm-hmm. just, um, you kind of feel more comfortable in your space if you haven't been there for a while. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just almost like, you know, we talk a lot about shopping our stash, mm-hmm. but like literally that could be a fun way to start is like get a little basket and go around your space and like pick out some fun things and then sit there and touch them and figure out, okay, what could I put on this page? And then all of a sudden you're like printing a photo or ordering photos or digging out some photos that you already had and you're doing something. But sure, I think yeah. the creative, like just that creative connection to the supplies, which is what differentiates us from being not scrapbookers, I think is sometimes the trigger. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about like different page ideas. And I mentioned that I like opened up my Trello app because that's where I store my page ideas. Where do you keep track of the stories that you want to tell? Well, there's, that's a thing I'm working on right now, actually. Um, That's totally fair. (laughs) Yeah. I think right now I have a couple bigger album projects that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And the way I work on a project like that is I actually sit down and I plan out basically the whole album and I decide where, which photos are going to go where, whether something's going to be a layout or a pocket page. And so then I create a big photo order and I put them in the album. And then when I'm trying to get something to work on, I'll just flip through the album. And so the albums actually are where I store my stories in those cases. Um, Otherwise, I think I also store my ideas in my photo catalog. So I use Lightroom. I, I love Lightroom. I have over, I'm just looking now, I have over 104,000 photos in my Lightroom catalog. That's amazing. And so, and I have a really, um, a system that really works for me in terms of managing them. And so I go through and I mark favorites and those are often what I want to scrapbook. So say I want to, I'm feeling like doing a Christmas page. I can go and I can look, I can find the, you know, the December photos. I can find the ones that I've marked purple because that means they're my favorite. And I'm, I, I'm very rigorous about storing my story or my caption in the caption field in Lightroom. And so often that will become my journaling. So I think that's probably the main way I store stories that aren't a part of the bigger album projects that I'm doing. And we've, we've talked a little bit about this in various like scenarios. You're very kind of, as you said, like you're very album focused, like, okay, this is what I'm working on and where like you're very home oriented, like this is where these things are going to live. And that sounds like part of what you're still trying to figure out is once you figure, once you finish these current projects, what's next? Yeah. How does, (laughs) yeah. How does it all fit together? What is the next album or different albums? How does that, what does that really look like? And where are you going? And that's, you know, it's okay to be in that place of marination and uncertainty. Yeah. So I, I have lots of, I have a, a file box full of memorabilia from things that don't fit in these albums. I have notebooks where I've handwritten things. I often email myself stories. So it's a, it's kind of a mess. I got to say <laughs> how I store my stories, but I, I generally can find it after a few attempts. If I think of this is the story I want to tell next, I actually, you know, I, even though it's all over the place, I have those places to look. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever felt like you were stuck in a rut or kind of creating the same thing again and again? And how do you get yourself out of that? And I guess I have a really like visceral initial reaction here. And to me, it's like if you're creating the same type of layout again and again, I think that means you found your style. Yeah. And so to me, that's a good thing. And, mm-hmm. and so what's your what's your reaction to that? Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I I don't know that I feel like I've ever been stuck in a rut. So compared to just not having the inspiration, but I don't know that I've ever been stuck in a rut. I know that 
looking back on my pages, I can definitely tell that there are trends that I have been in the mood to do like horizontal arrangements of things or vertical or like a, you know, but often if I want to get out of that, I will look on like a video or through a magazine or blogs and just find something that is different and try and scrap lift that or use a sketch that is different from what my normal stuff or quote unquote normal (laughs) Mm -hmm. has been. Or, um, Something I do when I'm sort of low on inspiration or want to challenge myself is I'll watch a, I'll I'll let myself watch a video. I watch videos all the time, but I'll specifically watch a video and then I'll choose one thing from that video that I want to implement, whether it's the sketch that they use, the technique that they used, and just see how I can fit that into my own scrapbooking. And that sometimes gets me out of what I normally do and into a new look for my pages. Yeah, yeah. No, I love the idea of just like choosing a source of information. I'm sorry, choosing a source of inspiration and saying, I'm going to pick one thing from this. Like, yes, there's probably lots of things that could inspire you, but I'm just going to pick one and know that I could always come back later for more, but I'm going to pick one to inspire this next page so that I can try something a little bit fun and different. Right. Mm -hmm. And I would say in the same vein to like, if you feel like you're doing the same type of layout again and again, what if you changed one thing about it. Mm -hmm. So I had kind of had gone through a kind of summer slump and I always do. And I, for some reason, I never can plan adequately enough for that. And so I decided I'm going to sit down. I had some products and I went to pull a background cardstock. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out of my comfort zone and I'm going to choose craft instead of white because I'm all about the white. (laughs) I couldn't bring myself to choose a color, but so I chose a dark craft. And, you know, it was enough to be like, okay, I like this page. It's not totally my style because it does have this different colored background, but it was enough to kind of get the juices flowing. And now this page is done and I can go back to where, where my comfort zone is, but it was enough to feel like I'm not, I'm not in a rut. And now I know what I'm doing again and giving me a little boost of confidence that you need. And maybe if you haven't created anything in a while. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess kind of, it's a similar question, but a little bit different. Like if you, and, and, you know, I've noticed this with a lot of your pages because you've, you've had some things in scrapbooking cards today and you make really beautiful pages. How do you go about creating something that you feel is like original or unique or something that, that might inspire others? Like this, this question comes from one of our members. So I'm, I'm curious what you think. You know, I, I never really... I never really think that my pages are going to inspire other people because I feel like I'm so inspired by others. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's an interesting question to think about. I think that I try not to worry about the audience of the page while I'm making it. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. Like if I'm making something for a particular call or a particular challenge, I know it's going to be seen. And so I want to make it the best I can, but I can, freeze if I think too much about that. And I don't, Oh, for sure. You know, that's obviously counterproductive. (laughs) So I think I just really like to take the sketch or the challenge or whatever I'm working on and make it my own. So maybe I don't think of it in the same light as the challenge might have been intended, but I kind of say, well, I want to fit this into this part of my story. And so here's how I'm going to reinterpret that challenge or with a sketch, I pretty much never can follow a sketch straight to the letter. And whether it's my photo sizes or the number of photos, because I often like to put more photos on than a sketch has. And I think just, it's, I think that idea of one thing where yes, I take the inspiration from one thing. And then by the end, you might not even be able to recognize where the inspiration came from. I'm not sure if that answers the question, but hopefully no, it's a I, start. it does. And I think there's a there's there's nothing there's no new ideas out there, right? Right. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think s- the vast majority of pages that you see from others who are inspiring to you, they took their source of inspiration from 
multiple sources and experience over the years. Um, as you mentioned, the idea of just doing the one thing. So like maybe, you know, the it's pretty common these days or, or more trendy to do like a, a folded corner technique where you fold a corner over and then you have like another piece of pattern paper poking out. It's really cute. Um, but if you start with that as, okay, I want to incorporate this and then you're bringing in, you know, your comfort zone for the page composition or maybe you bring in a sketch, you start combining all these different sources together and all of a sudden you have a brand new original page. It's no less yours because you use this technique and this like photo composition sketch and, you know, it's, I don't know. And I think there's, I think I also need to remember that my pages are always going to be unique because it's my picture and my story. And that's, that's the focus for me. I mean, I love putting pretty paper and embellishing and layers and all of that. But the, in the end, the whole point of this for me is to have that story associated with those photos. And so nobody else has that story or those photos. So almost by definition, the page is unique. (laughs) You know, there's levels of how different it is, obviously. But when you start putting your photo on, then it's going to be the colors that you choose to go with that photo. And that's not going to be the same as somebody else. And nobody's going to have your story. 100%. Yeah. I think that this often comes up when we're talking about style that like you don't feel like you have a style. Like, well, if you look through a lot of your pages, you're going to notice that you gravitate towards certain colors or certain types of products. And that's how you define your style. Even though you, maybe you choose some different things once in a while, you, by you making it by default, it's like, it's unique and it's something that only you could do. Right. Yeah. And actually going, going back to the, the stuck in a rut thing. um, I often will go back and look through my albums. If I'm, wondering what to do next, I'll go back and look through my old albums. And sometimes I'm like impressed with myself. You know, I'm like, Oh, I made that page. That's a really good page. And then I'll take that as inspiration for a page that I'm making now, even though that old page was a couple years ago. And then that kind of reinforces your style, right? Because you're being inspired by yourself yes. a couple years ago. <laughs> and now you're using it in maybe an updated form now. Yeah, like sometimes you 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 just thought it was okay in the moment, and you look back and you're like, "Wow, that was really good." Like yeah. I should do more like that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we mentioned this idea of like find like taking a source of inspiration and taking just one idea of it from it. And I noticed that a lot of our members have that goal with Spark Magazine every single issue. So this year, or starting this year, we're releasing bi-monthly issues. They're more than a hundred pages. Um, We'd previously done monthly issues for so many years because this is issue 89 that just came out at the time of this recording. And by the time that this episode goes live, issue 90 will be up, which is just kind of amazing. Um, But Spark is exclusively available to our members. Um, It's something that we're so proud of. It is completely ad-free because it is part of our membership community. And I'm just curious, like, Natalie, like, what, you know, do you read Spark and what's your favorite part of it? I I have looked through it. I haven't been a member of the community very long, so I haven't had a chance to look too much at it. But I love seeing all the layouts in it. I love looking at other people's layouts and just getting to see what how they choose to highlight their photos and stories and seeing, again, what's that one way that I could take inspiration from how that person did that pocket page and, and use it for a pocket page that I'm using or even take a pocket page and inspire a layout or the other way around. I really love the the photos of the layouts. That's my favorite. Yes, yes. And I love, like, our creative team is so amazing. They have very, like, a diverse uh, set of styles themselves. So I know that, like, you know, there'll be members who are like, I love these particular creative team members because, like, their style really resonates with me. And just having the diversity of types of creating, you know, paper, digital hybrid pocket pages versus layouts, it's all inside of there. So... All right. Like, so we've talked a little bit about the membership, but I'm curious. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is to, to hear in a member's words, how is our community different from other subscriptions or things that you sign up for? So I signed up for the membership 
through the before your story class because I was really interested in the class. And I quickly realized that this was a really good community. Um, it was so welcoming. And I was brand new. I don't really know any of the people in the community from elsewhere. And I feel like I'm getting to know them already. And I think that was the first thing I noticed was people are really engaged with each other. So people are very quick to answer questions that you might post. They cheer you on in the monthly or not monthly, excuse me, the the weekly victories and actions posts. And everybody is just so supportive. They, they're just cheerleading you all the way, all the way through. And I think that has been a thing that made me want to stick around and just see what's more. And I also like that everybody is working on their own stuff, but everybody's cheering on those projects, even if they're not doing them, because we all kind of see the projects out in social media land and everywhere. And we know what is involved and everybody's common goal is tell more stories. And so the, the diversity of um, opinions and focus of what the scrapbooking is about is really exciting because I see people working on projects that I hadn't seen before on social media or interpreting them differently than I'd seen them before. And it just gets me excited about the hobby every time I sign in because people are cheering people on and sharing their work and nobody's, it's not a you have to buy this product to do this thing. Everybody's doing it their own way. Yes, yes, 100%. And you know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that it, just, that it feels so welcoming because I feel like you've been a member for so long now and it's been like, what, a little over three months? Yeah, I joined um, in I, June. <laughs> yeah, no, I, but I feel like you're just so much a part of our community. And that's why I didn't hesitate to say like, okay, I have to have you on the episode because, you know, you've showed up and, it, and some of that's your own, like, okay, if I'm going to be a part of a community, I have to show up to it. Um, but yeah. we've created so many containers through our events to be able to do that and to quickly develop relationships with fellow members. Yeah, it's really exciting. I really feel like I've found my people because hmm. it's it's a we talk about scrapbooking and we love it. And that's our common bond. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that just, yeah, it makes me feel so good. And I'm just, I'm so honored to have you as part of our community, as well as all of our members. Like we've been doing this for so long and it just gets better and better. Um, When I first kind of conceived of it back in like 2010, 2011, I had no idea what it would become. And I'm just so grateful that I now have this platform of the podcast to be able to share it more widely with our community. So thanks for, thanks for sharing, Natalie. Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks for answering all these questions with us. I hope some of these were helpful. Can you share where we can find you online? Absolutely. So I have an Instagram account. It's at natalie.strand. And I share all the things that I make there. Um, And then I am kind of old school and I still blog. (laughs) So my blog is vegetablog.wordpress.com because it started out as a gardening blog. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I noticed that. It's so cool. And I am have so much admiration for your garment sewing ability because I do not have that skill. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's been a lot, a lifelong uh, passion for me to sew. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. Yes. And I I love that we all have most of us have not just one creative hobby but multiple hobbies things that we love because we like we like to make things yes yeah it's so rewarding all right natalie thank you so much i know i will see you again in the community soon and to all of our listeners please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way